Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On this week's episode, we're talking to Gary Newman, chairman and CEO of Fox, home of Empire and the new series 24 Legacy. So stay tuned. I'm Deborah Birnbaum, Executive Editor of TV at Variety. And I'm Michael Schneider, the Editor-at-Large at Variety. And it's my pleasure to welcome to this week's podcast, Gary Newman, the Chairman and CEO of Fox. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. So we're now heading into mid-season. You've got a whole new lineup coming up. What show are you most excited about? Well, there's three sort of big launches early in the uh, mid-season. Uh, Star coming up, uh, actually December 14th, we're having a special uh, premiere of it behind the Empire Fall finale, uh, December 14th at 9 o'clock. And then uh, on January 1st, we're having a special premiere of The Mick behind uh, an NFL doubleheader. And uh, that will continue in its regular time period on, on Tuesdays, just two days later. And then finally, um, I guess the sort of the big launch of midseason is 24 behind the Super Bowl uh, in the beginning of February. 24 Legacy. Obviously, this is the big one, and, and the fact that you put a new show behind the Super Bowl, which is still a rare uh, sort of game. Uh, you know, For the most part, uh, we see returning shows or, or sort of you know, legacy shows behind there. But you really believe in this this reboot. Talk a little bit about the strategy behind this. Yeah, we're happy to. You know, we, it really is a little bit of a hybrid because obviously it's a known brand, but it's a new version of it. Um, you know, we just um, really couldn't be more excited about 24 Legacy. We were not... Um, out looking to bring 24 back. Um, our producers came to us with a story they wanted to tell, and you know we couldn't have been more excited because that's really where you want these things to start with uh, inspiration from your your uh, executive producers. And Manny and Evan and Howard and Brian Grazer all came in to pitch uh, a new take, and um, they felt like it was a story that only could be told now. It wouldn't have been a story. Uh, that you would have told five, six years ago. And um, and that, for us, gave us an organic reason to bring this show back. Um, they did, did a great job with the pilot. The episodes uh, behind it are really looking good, so we're very excited about it. And, of course, the casting, when you talk about Corey Hawkins and Miranda Otto. Yeah. You know, um, uh, obviously bringing 24 back to air without Kiefer, uh, and Jack Bauer was something that we gave a lot of consideration to. You know, we're uh, well. Very he's the president now, so <laughs> exactly. He, he took a step up. We are very close to Kiefer, um, and you know, we um, offered this to Kiefer to see if he wanted to come back and play Jack Bauer again. And understandably, he was looking for some new challenges in his career. It actually predated uh, Designated Survivor when we went to him, 
And uh, but he loved the script, loved the idea, completely blessed it, signed on as an executive producer. Um, when um, Corey uh, was available, um, and we were able to nab him for this, and pretty much every show. Uh, that was every pilot that was produced last year was looking at Corey Hawkins. He had so much notoriety uh, from his performance on Straight Outta Compton. Uh, Kiefer was, you know, thrilled because, uh, you know, he cares a lot about this franchise. And uh, so anyway, Corey is fantastic in it. He's an amazing actor. Miranda and uh, Miranda and Jimmy Smith's uh, terrific actors. And, you know, it's just a big uh, experience, terrific cast. How much involvement is Kiefer going to have in the show as an executive producer? You know, I don't think he's going to have a lot of active involvement. You know, he read the pilot script. Uh, he, I'm sure, is reading scripts and, and talking with um, uh, uh, Howard Gordon and, and others. But the truth is he's in the middle of producing his own show, and uh, it wouldn't feel right if we were really looking for him to have too much input into ours when, uh, you know, ABC has um, put a lot of effort into Designated Survivor, and, and it's a terrific show, and as, as always, Kiefer's doing an amazing job in it. What kind of expectations performance-wise? Uh, obviously, putting it behind the Super Bowl, that's huge, but that that lends to other challenges that, you know, obviously that's going to be the highest-rated episode that that yep. show ever sees. You know, we, we had this experience, a similar experience a year ago when we um, put the X-Files on after the NFC Championship game, and we had a huge number behind it, and then played it the next night in its regular time period, launching a new series behind it, Lucifer. And we're doing a similar strategy with the Super Bowl, with uh, 24, and then on Monday night um, at 9 o'clock will be APB behind Episode 2 of uh, of um, 24 Legacy. Um, so, look... Our expectations are that we're going to get a big audience for Sunday night and that Monday night will be a much smaller audience. But all we're really looking for with the Super Bowl is a great platform, get as much exposure as possible, bring as many people into the tent as we can, and then see how many we can hold on to uh, who are want, wanting to take the ride for uh, the next 11 episodes. Let's talk about Star. It's coming from... Let's talk about Star. It's coming from some pretty great auspices from Lee Daniels. Um, is there room for another music show on your network? No, there absolutely is. We love Star. Lee has done an incredible job with this, sh- uh, with this show, and it's really quite different than Empire. Um, Empire was a story about people who had made it and were at the top of the music game. This is a completely different take on the music business. It's about these three young women who are just getting started. And they come from very uh, troubled uh, past, um, particularly two of them. And, um, and you see how desperately they want to achieve fame and success uh, with their group. And so it's a very emotional and compelling story. Um, you know, I think it was a real coup bringing Queen Latifah and Benjamin Bratt into this. So it really uh, kind of grounds that cast, makes it feel weighty. Um, their performances are really outstanding. And, uh, you know, Queen Latifah is really a very special star. And when she's on the screen, she really just holds the the center of that screen like like few people can. So uh, the the three ladies are incredible performers beautiful voices, 
uh, I think people are going to be really surprised at how terrific this show is. Well, one thing it does have in common with Empire is sort of that catchy original music, which is something that you had success with with, with Empire. Yeah, I, we're going to be doing some covers on um, Star because that's authentic to the experience. Groups don't start by playing original music. You know, groups frequently start by uh, playing covers. So there's going to be covers. There's going to be some original mm-hmm. music as well, but it's going to be more of a blend. When we did Glee, Glee was all covers. Um, Empire was all original music. And uh, and so we like the idea of having recognizable music that people will hear that maybe music that, you know, goes to an older generation. Um but it will be reimagined for a younger generation, and we had a lot of success with that with Glee. Could we see a crossover between Empire and Star at some point? <clears throat> There's nothing planned. The worlds don't, um, you know, um, the worlds could certainly naturally collide. It would be organic. But, um, uh, I, you know, th- there really is no plan for that. And I think it would take a while um, in the life of uh, Star for that group to elevate to a place where um, it would be natural for the, the lions to uh, to come across them. But it wouldn't shock me if down the road that were to happen. You know, something about Star and, and some, uh, so, some of the other shows that have uh, done well this fall is original IP. So, you know, the, the, the trend this year, of course, was, uh, you know, reboots, remakes, rehashes. But when you look at the success of This Is Us and now you've got Star coming on, there still is room for, for some original IP. Talk, talk about sort of the balance there and, uh, you know, sort of the forces that are at bay fighting each other in terms of original IP versus library IP. Yeah. You say this like you don't like reboots and rehashes. And we love them. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, like everyone else, you, you do, but at the same time, you, you, like, you like a balance. Yeah, look, you know, great television is great television. It doesn't matter whether it's from existing IP or original. Um, both are incredibly difficult things to achieve, and um, and when um, someone does a great reboot of existing IP, or by the way, does a great series based on a book or based on any sort of existing content, uh, that's no less of an of an achievement than uh, coming up with something original. We have uh, uh, eleven new scripted series this year. We um, did four that were based on IP and seven that weren't. That's a little higher percentage than we've ever had in the past. That really was not by design. 24 in Prison Break. Um, producers came in, said they had a story they were dying to tell that we thought were fantastic. It happened to be in the same year. Lethal Weapon and Exorcist were a little bit more kind of normal uh, development. And over the course of a development season, we're going to hear you know, a couple handful of projects based on uh, existing IP. In fact, Exorcist had been from the prior year, but it just took longer uh, for the development process on The Exorcist. In a funny way, I think those shows have a slightly higher bar to get over um, in terms of the pilot script to get ordered to pilot or the pilot to go to series because you anticipate the audience saying, particularly if it's a beloved franchise, why are they doing it for TV? I loved what I had. I don't want to see somehow a lesser version of it. And I will say Lethal Weapon really fit into that category. It was going to have to be really good because um, those movies were great and the casting was perfect. And uh, it was a hard 
uh, you know, creative bar to jump over. And I have to say, I think the casting on Lethal Weapon was extraordinary. Uh, Clayne and Damon are fantastic in it. And I think the show ha- really has its own identity. And uh, so we're, you know, we're as proud of that as, as any um, original uh, program that we've done. Also, I think The Exorcist, uh, you know, I think critics pretty much have been uh, consistently uh, fans of that show. Um, it, um, you know, tonally, I think there's some similarities to the movie, but really it ends there with the, with the tone. Otherwise, uh, you know, the characters are, are original to the, uh, to the series. Talk about Prison Break. What was it about that concept that made you say yes to the reboot? Well, we love Prison Break. Just it was a fantastic experience uh, when we produced that series, and you know it was in some ways, um, you know, one of the challenges of the concept that it really didn't lend itself to a multi-year series, and and uh, it could have easily been a one-season show. They escape and get captured, and that's the end of it. And uh, we were having such success with it, and it really you know caught on with the fans in such a big way that. Uh, our creators found a way to uh, tell the story over multiple seasons, um, and uh, but it's a show that performed, you know, unbelievably well internationally. One of our very best series ever in uh, in terms of international performance. Uh, Ted Sarandos is on record as saying Prison Break has been one of the most successful shows on Netflix. Uh, they've ever had. And how, by the way, I've heard you say that a couple of times. How important is that to you? How much does that play into well, deciding it, whether or not it, to reboot something? It is something? important. It it's, it um, sort of suggests to us that there is a um, a fan base out there who um, misses this and who wants it, and it's a story that continues to resonate as new audiences come along. Um, but that being said, there was really not an obvious route to a new series, and um, you know, we had actually reached out to Paul um, Shearing more than once about um, rebooting Prison Break, and we had lots of thoughts about how you could do it. You, know, you could, you know, do it with a new cast. You could do it in Europe. You could do different types of prison, and uh, and you know, Paul was always yeah, just not not ready to go back there. And then we got this, you know, fantastic phone call from his agent, uh, you know, a year or so ago saying, you know, Paul has an idea. He wants to come in and, and uh, talk to you about rebooting Prison Break. So we were just thrilled. It's a great story. Uh, and he his vision for it was to bring back all the characters. So uh, I think the audience is going to be really thrilled, both the old fans who will want to see it and the new fans we're going to discover it for the first time. And that's an easy one to market, just just like X-Files, when you're bringing back the original cast, when it's the original show again. Yeah. I, I imagine that that's almost a slam dunk in terms of, of marketing. Yes, I would say there are no slam dunks, but um, <laughs> I wish there were. But, yes, it's, it's, uh, it's, an, e- it's an easier hurdle to get over because you are bringing back um, the characters. Whereas on 24, you know, people who watch 24 Legacy, you know, across the board, our research has been – People love Corey Hawkins and are on board with him right away. And the absence of uh, Jack Bauer is noted, but is not a big deterrent once they watch it and experience Corey Hawkins. On the other hand, if you do research for people who haven't seen the pilot and they simply know Kiefer's not in it, there's a, um, 
a hurdle you have to get over. So clearly on Prison Break, we don't have to do that. And, you know, a big part of our marketing campaign on 24 Legacy is is presenting as much of Corey Hawkins' character as we can in uh, uh, in a campaign to let them know there is a new hero uh, who's incredibly compelling and that people are going to want to experience. While showing the same hallmarks, the beeps, that 24 logo, all that. Okay, I brought up X-Files. So. Uh, you stole my question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so speaking of X-Files, yeah. where does that stand? Are we going to see them again? Uh, you know, I, I really... I really don't know. Um, it's, you know, it's, they're a complicated group over there uh, at X-Files. Remember, trust no one and, and all that. Um, I guess I am the eternal optimist, uh, so I, I think we'll, we'll actually get there. Um, but I really couldn't tell you what the timing is likely to be. Um, they're both, uh, especially Jillian's very busy doing things. David, you know, sort of would have his pick of, of projects, uh, so um, aligning their schedules is not easy. Jillian lives in the UK and is committed to her family, so there's many um, impediments to to getting that all done and organized. But uh, I believe we probably will. Plus, Chris Carter's vision seems to be coming true, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think we should just stay away from any discussion of uh, politics. Probably, <laughs> probably well, safest. Let's talk about live musicals. You had a lot of success with Grease Live. Are you going to go back to that well again? Yeah, Grease Live was, I think, um, really one of our uh, best experiences in a couple of years. We've been um, supervising the network. Uh, it just was wildly creative and imaginative, and and really um, broke the mold for how people perceived doing um, uh, live theatrical um, performances on television. And we were so proud to be associated with Tommy Kale and Mark Platt, uh, Alex uh, Rudetsky, uh, and the whole cast. And just it just across the board was a fantastic experience. Uh, as a result. We would love to do more of these, but they have to be right, um, and you have to assemble the right team. Um, and and so we're going to be very selective. And as much as we'd love to present one of these uh, every six months or a year, uh, that's probably not realistic and achieve what we achieved on, on uh, Grease Live. That one, I believe, took us uh, uh, probably 20 months from when it got announced by our prior uh, Regime that they were going to be doing Grease Live. And it took that length of time because we needed to get the right cast and we needed to find a window for Tommy. And uh, and so, yes, we have a few that we're working on. We have nothing to announce yet, but uh, uh, hopefully we will uh, soon. Uh, you know, along those same lines, event series obviously uh, continue to be a, a big part of how this business is evolving. Um, and uh, you've got a number coming up, uh, and you've had real success this year, both as a studio and also uh, you know at the network. Uh, where do you see that going from here? Well, you know, I, I really think it depends what you mean by event series. Um, uh, you know, we like the idea of an event series, and we like an event series that can have additional installments um, we don't you know we'll do an event series that would be a one-year thing and over which really i guess is, you'd call a mini series but it doesn't have yeah. the same level of interest to us for all sorts of reasons um, uh, but what i like about event series is that i think it just reflects that a project has 
content that feels like it breaks through and is special and that it is a close-ended story um, and so your audience knows they're going to come in and over a period of whatever it is, eight weeks, ten weeks, twelve weeks, they're going to get a complete story. I think we did it about as well as it could be done on People versus OJ, American Crime Story. Uh, we're very excited about Shots Fired coming up uh, later at mid-season. Gina, uh, Prince Bythewood, and Reggie Bythewood are doing an amazing job. Uh, Brian Grazer over at Imagine sort of helped put the team together. And, um, uh, you know, and should that come back for another season, it will probably be entirely a different um, cast, different story. Um, but we have a great uh, star in Sanaa Lathan uh, in it uh, and Stefan James. Um, you know, so we're pushing our development team uh, on the drama side especially to be looking for properties that um, legitimately qualify as event series. I don't think you can call something an event series and have it be a, a cop procedural. Um, so, Yeah, because I was curious, especially about Shots Fired, because that looks like that could have been just a miniseries. Uh, but but so there's a franchise behind that, too. And that it's it's important just from a marketing perspective, from just the amount of investment that you put into these shows, that they can't be one and done. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Um, uh, you know, I think that Gina and Reggie probably uh, perceive this as a one and done. There's a story that they wanted to tell. Uh, an experience they wanted to explore. Uh, it's powerful. Uh, it's really timely. And uh, I think we'll be the first um, uh, network out with a show uh, of this nature, um, you know, covering that, that, uh, that type of content. Um, but we are hoping that they're going to um, enjoy the experience so much and when this show breaks through into the cultural zeitgeist as we expect it to, I'm hoping they'll say, you know, we could do this again and and tell a very different story. Talk about broadcast tackling serious drama like that, because broadcast used to do this in the past, but really has shied away from it. And now this show really tackles it head on. Yeah. You know, um, you know, at, at our studio, um, we've always encouraged our writers to uh, tell personal stories, um, to tell authentic stories, uh, and and ideally tell a story they have a connection to, you know, based on a their own experience or something they they care deeply about. And out of that, um, we've had some of our be- very best shows ever, um, Homeland, you know, which uh, uh, you know really comes from Howard Gordon and Alex uh, Gonzas just incredible interest in the Middle East and the politics of the Middle East. And when uh, they got together with Gideon Raff and saw uh, the version he had done in Israel, Hatufim, it just spoke to them. And they came in and pitched a show that was just riveting. And while, you know, they neither one had been in the military or had any direct connection to um, the experiences that Homeland delves into, it just was something that was very um, close to them. And, uh, you know, and Homeland has sort of had an amazing track record of being a few months ahead of of the world and telling stories that somehow uh, months later we're seeing very similar things uh, happen. Um, you know, a show like Shots Fired, which is, 
exploring um, things that have been happening in our country far too frequently, uh, especially the last few years, things like uh, Ferguson and others. Um, you know, it feels like incredibly ripe territory to tell a drama that is really going to impact people. And um, it was important to us that um, it be a balanced story. Um, uh, and I think uh, Gina and Reggie <laughs> had a very personal feeling about it um, and had some personal experiences that uh, they've brought to bear uh, in making this. But uh, for me, um, look, I love a genre piece or fantasy, but what I love the most is when someone is telling a story that is authentic and feels true and really uh, informs the human condition. And and so whether it's a Homeland or Shots Fired or This Is Us, which, um, you know, a couple of those characters are based on people in Dan's family. And he's telling stories that um, have been... Um, you know, ruminating in his head for 40 years. And uh, and I think it's one of the reasons that when you watch it, it just, it feels so, so true and authentic. I'm glad you brought up This Is Us because I wanted to touch on fall a little bit because, I mean, it's been an interesting fall and, and you know, I'm sure you're going through the highs and lows of, you know, as the head of the studio, This Is Us, huge new property to have, great success story. Um over at the network, World Series was insane. You know, the fact that the Cubs won, that was just a tremendous I take win. a lot of credit for that. That's all you, that's all you Gary. <laughs> Congratulations. Well done. <laughs> uh, but you've had some difficulties, too, uh, mm-hmm. with, with some of your new shows and, and with, with the numbers when you take out the sports. Uh, give, walk us through the fall and maybe give us a little bit of a report card of, of where things stand and where would you would like them to be. Yeah. Well, you know, the fall has been challenging for Fox, you know, for a long time. Um, you know, it actually feels like the scales of justice moved a little bit in our favor because for so many years, as much as we love baseball, it disrupts our schedule and we've had fairly short series um, and uh, and that hasn't worked great for us. This year, it disrupted our schedule, but it also propelled us by, uh, you know, probably five or six tenths of a ratings point uh, in a week's time uh, for the season. And has us in the number two position right now among the networks, which, you know, we will take because our competitors, particularly NBC with its, you know, 48 hours of primetime football uh, in the fall and CBS with its 18, 20 hours of primetime football, um, you know, certainly don't make any excuses uh, for their schedule. Uh, and so I think it's it's sort of apples to apples, and it's it's fair. So we feel great about where we're sitting in terms of uh, our fall ranking. That being said, um, you know what we're focusing on in our group is this entertainment programming, and that has been a little bit of a mixed bag. You know, we are thrilled with Lethal Weapon; it's a top ten show, uh, and they're doing a fantastic job. And unlike um, some of the shows that launched very high and shed audience for weeks and weeks until they finally uh, leveled out at, at a number that you know may or may not be acceptable to their networks lethal weapon you know started pretty well and dropped off just a little and kind of came back and uh, is really doing uh, uh, quite well so you know that's a big success story for us and we feel like that's a show 
um, because it's procedural in nature. It's going to be a show that uh, we can um, really rely on. We can play repeats of it. We can move it in our schedule. So we're very, very happy about that one. You know, we love um, Pitch and Exorcist and Son of Zorn. Uh, they're all three of them big, bold swings. Um, you know, we have a kind of long history at the studio of encouraging our writers to take bold swings. That there's, you know, certainly no victory for being um, meek and risk averse uh, in our business. Uh, but you know, those are not all going to work. We wish uh, the numbers were higher. Um, uh, we think our our creators, uh, executive producers, did great jobs on, on all three of the shows. Um, you know, I particularly look at those two dramas and think uh, they were spectacular and um, were, um, you know, beginning to think about what their future may be. And it would not shock me to see, um, you know, at least one and maybe both of them continue on our schedule in, in one way or another. Um, but I, I think that, um, you know, the, the business has changed a little bit. It's not as simple as it used to be where you'd look at your live same day number and you look at you know you look at your ratings and either a show would sort of cut it or not cut it now not only do you have the complexities of of delayed viewing which is becoming um i think more and more evident but uh, on top of that when you also own these shows you have the studio side and you have shows that might be of value to the studio and um you certainly want to give these shows enough time to uh, attract an audience with 450 series um, in production, the audience has gotten very savvy, and they're super busy, and um, they're not likely to jump on board for you know an eight, ten episode run if they think there's a good chance that will be the end of it. Um, uh, so, um, you know, sometimes it takes longer for these shows to catch on, and then you have to really bet on quality and potential. So, uh, uh, it's complex. Um, I will say that as we thought about our schedule last May, uh, we knew the fall would be tough. You had the election. You had uh, the Olympics. So we knew that NBC would have a very big uh, promotional platform and that, conversely, we would have very little audience to talk to in August. Um, and uh, and we would have our normal interruptions of baseball. There were you know debates this year and the election night. So we really oriented ourselves towards mid-season and we have an NFC championship game we have the Super Bowl so we have some pretty big circulation opportunities to really um, fuel our campaigns uh, to create awareness uh, for our shows uh, so we originally scheduled three new shows in the fall we saw an opportunity for pitch and we moved that up uh, so we had four but we have seven scripted shows coming on at mid-season so it is not an unanticipated fall we are delighted that baseball helped us but uh, we've been pretty focused on uh, mid-season opportunities really since last may do you think ultimately pitch uh, originally you were going to launch it in the spring tied to spring training do you think maybe there there should have been an opportunity there or maybe you'll reassess that for, for next year if you do decide to bring it back look i think it was the right choice uh to um put it where we did um you know the the numbers are a little disappointing uh in fairness to pitch we didn't give it 
much of a lead in in terms of ratings. Rosewood didn't do the numbers we we hoped it might at um, uh, Thursday at eight. We we thought there was a real opportunity to promote from Wednesday to Thursday, um, but the audience is fickle. And they're not watching TV the way you necessarily want them to or when you want them to. So those Wednesday night promos trying to drive people to Thursday night are not as effective as they used to be uh, with everyone, with so many people uh, watching on demand. Um, but we're very proud of it. You know, Dan Fogelman is incredible uh, that he managed to do both of these shows at the same time, I think, speaks to him him being truly a prolific talent. Well, and the the other big trend of the fall, of course, was vertical integration. Everyone was just producing for themselves. And then, lo and behold, the, the, the big success story of the fall is a show that's produced for NBC by yes. another studio. So... You know, what does that all mean? What does that mean for this business? So up is down, down is up. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's, I mean, I've been around the business long enough to know that uh, people have been wanting to um, be self-sustaining for a long time. And um, and really, it it just has never been done successfully. Um, it you can, you can do more of your own programs, but anyone who thinks that they can survive in this business as a standalone company without any production from anyone else, I think is probably, um, you know, being a little arrogant and and um, making the fatal mistake of thinking that this business is all about the numbers because it's really about the content. It's about uh, incredibly compelling content. And while NBC, I'm sure, wishes they owned uh, this is us. This is us. Is going to become an incredible platform for them, and they'll use that to build other assets. And you have to have that sort of longer-term view of your business. I will say that um, you know, at our place, we we really value the work our studio does, um, and so most of our shows are shows that we develop from inception. We have a great roster of writers at studio that many of whom have been with us for, you know, 10, 15 years, uh, even longer in some cases. Uh, you know, some of the other networks um, uh, sort of force people into co-productions and then call it vertical integration and claim claim that they're supplying themselves. They're really not. They're just you know, forcing people into co-productions, and while I have no issue with that, there's nothing wrong with it. It's really a different model, and um, and I get it. The network business is really hard if you don't have ownership in the show, and and even we um, last year with ABC, we um, we traded co-productions uh, so that if their show made it in our our air. Uh, we'd share it an ABC production show, and likewise, if our show made it on the air over there, it would be shared. So, you know, it's sort of the new reality. I think This Is Us is a little bit of an exception to the rule. Sure. So we've talked a lot about dramas. I want to give you a chance to talk about your comedies. Um, Speechless, obviously, is a, something on the studio side that did really well. You've got the Mick coming up. Talk about comedies and what your strategy is there. <clears throat> you know, we've had a great deal of success uh, with comedies over the last... Uh, you know, really 10, 12 years at a time when um, others um, have shied away from it a little bit. We have four comedies on ABC right now. Their number one show, Modern Family, um, Speechless, as you just uh, mentioned, which is the number two new comedy of, of the year, Fresh Off the Boat, which 
uh, I think has gotten a lot of critical praise and is is terrific. And then Last Man Standing, which looks like it may be the last man standing as it's going into <laughs> its uh, its uh, sixth year. Um, it actually is doing quite well out there in syndication right now. We're really happy with right, the that, results. That's there's, still syndication. A, there's still a real syndication. There is. It you know, lives. Syndication you do, lives. You do a multicam, and you can actually still syndicate. What's um, a multicam again? <laughs> um, we're very proud of, of life uh, in pieces over at CBS. It's uh, uh, it's in a new time period. Um Thursday nights at 9.30 and has actually then grew its audience in each of the first four episodes. Um, so, uh, you know, Speechless is um, a show we're particularly proud of because it really is tackling um, a tough subject uh, with the one of the stars of the show uh, being uh, suffering from cerebral palsy, being in a wheelchair, not speaking, um, uh, it's kind of ripped right out of Scott Silveri's life. And uh, it was a story that um, he just really wanted to tell. And, you know, as you can imagine, he came and pitched it, and it was like, really, it doesn't sound that funny. And, uh, <laughs> and But he said, you know, that in his family, um, this was the hand they were dealt, and they found great humor in it and great uh, pathos and love and support, and it drew the family close. And uh, we thought it was a great a great area to explore. In fact, it was first developed at Fox um, a year ago, and the script really never got there. And um, and we felt the right thing to do for Scott was to give him a chance to uh, work with another network on it. And he took it to ABC, and and you know he really reconceived. Um, a lot of it and came out with a show that we're just incredibly proud of and I don't know if you've seen much of it or not but it's just it's a terrific show so um, of course we have our animation block um, uh, Simpsons is having a great a great year um, it's up over last year Family Guy uh, is is uh, doing very well and you know the show that I think you know, probably deserves the most notoriety right now, which generally doesn't get it, is Bob's Burgers, which is having a fantastic year. It's up over last year, um, and it, it uh, probably um, has about the toughest um, scheduling of, of any show. It's 7.30 until it's not, and then it's 8.30 until it's back at 7. And we, we move it around because we ultimately, you know, have – uh, have needs, and we always look at each other and say, "Maybe we should just put that show at eight thirty and leave it there." And uh, and hopefully, one of these days, we'll be able to do that. It's it's this generation's king of the hill. <laughs> There's always that one show. Yeah. Um, well, we should probably wrap things up, but let's end with one question. Give us a prediction for 2017. Oh, so you're going to throw a surprise at me? <laughs> yeah. Um, prediction That's what we for do. 2017. Yeah. A, a variation on that could be what. What what's keeping you up on at, at night as as we head into twenty seventeen? Well, we could get back into politics because uh, <laughs> that certainly is, <laughs> That's is what's keeping, keeping me up. up. At night. Right. Um, you know, I think uh, in the TV business, um, you know, I I guess um, as much as we've seen um, so much change in the business, um, I think we're just kind of at the beginning of that. I think we're going to continue to see real evolution. Uh, in our business, um, you know, you're beginning to see the beginning of it with these over-the-top um, quote skinny bundles that are coming along. The uh, AT&T Directv one that was just announced, uh, Sling, which uh, has been around for a little while. Uh, Sony has one. Um, I think that 
uh, Hulu has announced one, although it hasn't started it yet. Um, and, you know, I think those um, are uh, models that are being responsive to what the consumer is is saying. And I think that's one of the great challenges of our business. And one of the things that makes our business great is that ultimately the consumer makes the decisions and, uh, and we just react to it. And uh, so I think uh, 2017 is going to be a year of of real continued uh, evolution. And I can say I'm kind of excited to see, you know, where it all ends up. And I can tell you at Fox, we spend a lot of time trying to anticipate, um, you know, down the road what is happening and, and remain as nimble as we can to make sure that we continue to stay at the forefront of the business. Have you figured out ratings yet? <laughs> um, you know, I know live same day doesn't matter that much. <laughs> so uh, we hear. <laughs> and, and live seven does, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, live 30 and live 35 will become important. But I, I was very interested to read that uh, the head of one of the big uh, advertising agencies uh, came out a week or so ago and said, you know, we've got to – um, we've got to look at delayed viewing and digital viewing as legitimate viewing, just like linear viewing in, in terms of the messages getting to uh, to uh, the public and they should be paying for it. And we, you know, really agree. Um, and I think that that, you know, that recognition is becoming something that no one can stick their head in the sand uh, in anymore, that it, it's just a reality of our business now. All right, perfect. Thanks so much for coming in, Gary. Great to see you. Thanks for listening to this week's show. We'll be back next week with another great episode. We've got Hart Hansen, the executive producer of Fox's Bones. This has been Remote Controlled, only on Variety. Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.